Egypt could raise the roof here with a goal. I don't believe it. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way to the World Cup Finals. And Scholes gets forward, he's got Heskey on for the pass. England are in again, it's Emil Heskey! Here's another Owen run. He's going to worry them again. It's a great run by Michael Owen, and he might finish it off. Oh, it's a wonderful goal! It's Kieran Trippier. It's Kieran Trippier's first goal for England is in a World Cup semi-final inside five minutes. And here comes Percy, but some fibbler on the pitch. They think it's all over. All right, guys, welcome back to the Pace of Power podcast. I'm your host, Ed Dowling. With me today, we've got a very special guest, Chris Rose, friend of the podcast. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. Thanks for having me on. And you're, because there's only three of us, you're in the bottom. So, yeah. Fair enough. And in the top left, <laughs> we've got Temi. What's going on? Hello. And we already know what we're doing today. It's the plane. The big six questions. Should we just get right into it? No get messing right around. No we should around. say though, we should say though that for our teeny tiny podcast, it doesn't get much bigger than this. Having the inaugural winner of a, of our giveaway on the uh, oh yeah on, on the pod. Oh, so, uh, the, the mug is in heavy rotation. Believe me, I've I've been having <laughs> many a coffee out of that. It's working yeah. fantastically. Yeah, that, when I got mine, I, it, I have not stopped you, using it. <laughs> Coming soon to all retailers near you. <laughs> but what I really want to know from you, Chris, my really you know. I'm desperate to know is you're on the touchline, you know, mm. England are playing Croatia. The sun's blazing down on you. Again, I don't know where it's being held. I'm sure that information's <laughs> out there. I've just simply not done the research. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? That's a very good question. Um, I think you've got to go for style more than anything else. No track suits. I'm not, I'm not turning up to an internationally viewed tournament in uh, Puma. So oh. I forgot other tracksuit brands are available. So of I'm course. going um, suit, but no tie, navy shirts, um, sort of grey woolen suit. I figure, hey, it's hot, but I want to look good. Um, black Oxfords, keeping it simple. And no, no, uh, no yeah, man, got to go classy with it. Very uh, Hammerson-esque, actually. I think Hammerson picked a very, very similar outfit to that. I think that was Hammerson's outfit. Yeah. yeah. I, I will take that as a compliment. Hammerson sounds like a man of style. <laughs> well, his one, I, I imagine his one looking different. You know, I imagine his one being, you know, baggy, like boot cut sort of. <laughs> it's, all slim fit. it's all slim. Fit. None of, none of this billowy shirt. And it's not okay. what you want. Are you, so your shirt, your shirt situation, I'll talk about this a little bit. Sleeves rolled up? Mm. Always. Always. Cufflinks? Always. It's a summer tournament, Ed. Is it? Is it, is it like, I, what I really want to know is the sleeve rolling up technique. Are you? Is it cufflinks, smart, orderly, or is it like you've literally just pulled them up? Uh well, the first thing I'd say is if I'm wearing the blazer, I'm not rolling the sleeves. That's uh, yeah. that's quite wrong. You don't want exposed wrists. I know, but we're all assuming um, that you'll throw the blazer down. At, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Disgruntled fashion. Yeah. No, of course we're one nil down. I'm, I'm throwing the blazer immediately. <laughs> give away a goal kick, and I'm throwing the blazer. Um, no, it's it's rolled all the way up. No cufflinks, nothing like yeah, that. I'm, I'm sort of going yeah. for, it's been a long day at work. I'm headed to all bar one. That's the vision I've got Ooh, in my head. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I like we it. Talk, 
Are we talking yeah. buttons down or are we we still keeping it nice um, and professional up top? That's how hot it is more than anything else. I don't know if I'd pop the second button, but the collar's undone. Let's say for the future, let's say for the future oh, yeah, of this, yeah, yeah. this podcast um, and these this specific question because we were debating as to how hot it would be as well. Like it's twenty five mm. degrees. It's hot. It's not like okay. disgustingly hot, but it's hot. Okay, mm. and the, the stadium is you know akin to like a cauldron. Let's say such as the atmosphere. Remember, and much, that, and much the of this tournament is going to be played in our crappy country, especially mm. our games. Mm. I'm, I'm going to see 18, 19 a lot of heat at St. James's. That's never really been a, a, a rather hot ground. Yeah, yeah a classic, a classic cauldron right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> cauldron of football. We're also another cauldron. I know this is not, not a relevant topic, but I'm just thinking, mm. because no, St. James's is your cauldron right there. It's the cauldron. As is the um, Stadium of Light as well. It's, it's just North yeah. East Clubs. Perfectly named. I, I think... Um, uh, oh, jeez, I've forgotten where they play now. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Who's the team? Crystal Palace. Selhurst Park? Oh. I, I think Selhurst, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Selhurst, because of their famed fans. Oh, yeah. um, I think the atmosphere can get quite <laughs> quite cauldron-y in there. Oh, no, I always um, associate cauldron with like frustration, which is why it's so perfect for Newcastle and Sunderland. Like, you can just picture it in your mind, like the whistling and the booing and the players are playing so poorly. And they're, doing, they're covering it on like make clear, Saturday. Uh, we need to make clear what a cauldron definitely isn't, and that is the Hawthorns, because there is a yes, lot no. of booing and disappointment, but that is because you are at the Hawthorns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know. there, there's, there's no heat. There's no Absolutely. football cooking right. anywhere no. near there. West Brom no, fans are very so. sorry if you exist. You're definitely not listening to this podcast. It doesn't matter. If you are listening, then I'm very happy for your club. But you did kick me out when watching West Brom Crystal Palace because my friend was drunk before the match, and I do not forgive you for that. So, you have to be drunk uh, to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> not that drunk. Not that drunk. Dan King, okay. if you're listening, you know what you did. That's enough slander. That's enough. Let's crack on with the second question and probably the beefiest question of them all. And that is, of course, what is your 11 to face Croatia in the very first game? Okay, so I have tried to think about the fact that it is Croatia, not just that it's the inaugural game and we want to be hitting it on the front foot, but what Croatia are offering. Mm. So in terms of the back four, and I'll start with the goalkeeper, obviously, um, I'm putting Henderson in net. Now, there are potentially some safer pair of hands available. Mm. You could argue Pickford's got proven experience. Nick Pope is Nick Pope. Mm. Um, but with Henderson, I think we need to see his ability to be strong in the big matches. I've been impressed with him when I've seen him play uh, domestically, mm. but for me, you're going to want that big keeper coming through, not just for this tournament, for the rest of them. And in terms mm. of Dean Henderson, I think he is the future keeper of England. So yeah. why not hit the ground running now, put Henderson in. I think that's exactly what I said as well. Um, mm. My, but then, but then Pat did raise a worry that that I think his uh, uh, his his expected mistakes are just they're, they're higher than the others. I'm afraid, like mm. not even not even generally, like Pickford is much more an accident prone keeper than Henderson. But mm. because I've not seen him mm. on the England shirt, especially not at a tournament, I yeah. am I'm a bit scared. <laughs> I just think I mean, he's got he's got Paul Robinson and Rob Greenman all over no, him, don't <laughs> all over him. The problem for me is if any keeper can do that, it's the one you choose because it's the safe pair of hands. So maybe there's a statistical argument that Henderson's got more expected mistakes, 
but mm. Pickford dropping it into his own net from whoever the winger is for Scotland, that is something I'm seeing happening. So I'm, I'm seeing that happening. I'm I'm not trusting Pickford at this tournament. This is why I'm going for Pope. I just think Pope's had the best season, and they're all of relatively similar ability level, in my opinion. I just think he's had the best season. Why not reward him and just chuff him and go? Like I, I know I distribution is is stinky. Stinky. His distribution is piss poor. Ed. He <laughs> plays for he plays for Burnley, and it shows. They don't need a keeper who who can kick the ball at all. Mm. Um, He's a good shot stopper, though. Long and far away. Um, so I just I, f- I feel like our game is so different from theirs mm. uh, that that I just think Pope's going to struggle in there. He's going to give one away. I know he is. Who, whoever plays in goal. <laughs> yeah. It's a disaster yeah. passing. Well, it was um, <laughs> it was Pickford in the worst footballing day, the second worst footballing day of my life when we lost to Croatia in the semi final. Mm. The uh, first being Nottingham Forest, self explanatory. Um, oh, yes. But it was Pickford in goal, so I'm worried that we're just going to see a repeat. I don't want to put a keeper in with a vengeance. Do you know what I mean? He's he was the keeper we went out in the semi final against Croatia. I don't mm. want him to have a chip on his shoulder because he'll go and do some. He'll do something really dumb, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that this is, it is both an, a very interesting and very uninteresting debate because goalkeeping, in by its very nature, isn't interesting. But all three of the keepers we've named, and I think they are the three, all of them have a stake. All of them have a, a clear claim. Where, like Pickford, for example, he's had a poor season. I don't think he's a particularly good goalkeeper, but the last time he was at the World Cup, he played amazing. He was absolutely amazing. And that's why he got signed. I think was, he wasn't at Everton... Was it Everton in 2018? Or was he signed as a result of that? So, like, I think he might have gone on the back of that, actually. Um, though Sunderland had had gone down, was it that year? I don't know. I, I don't really care. Doesn't matter. But, I, <laughs> but like, he had, he had a very good tournament then. My issue is, and I remember Jamie Carragher saying this um, with 2010, where they just didn't, the defenders want to know who the, who the number one keeper is. They need to know. Um, it will change the way they play. And and Jamie Carragher thinks that much of what went wrong in that defence and in goal in 2010 was because it was decided basically sort of in the week hmm. leading up that Rob Green was going to start that game. But I just, I feel like we're falling into that trap again. Not having a clear number one when you go to a tournament is both a blessing and a curse, I think. Um, but I think it's more, more of a curse when it's because they're all average rather than because they're all world class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the main yeah. thing. When when picking my team, the one position I didn't actually care about all that much was the keeper. Because as we say, whether you say Pope, Pickford or Henderson, mm. provided you don't go mm. ridiculously rogue and pick someone from like Crystal Palace or something like that, their second string. If you mm. pick any of those three, uh, yeah, you'll be fine. You should be absolutely fine. They should are be fine. solid keepers who will play well in the tournament when you're not going to win the Euros purely based on your keeper. So provided you've got a safe pair of hands and the defenders, as you mentioned, have that consistency, then you should be fine. So moving on to defenders then. Yeah. Um, So if I start right back and move across to the left, um, with right back, I was going to come in and say Wan-Bissaka because of, I think, the arguments some of you had made before around having that safe defensive pair of hands. Trent, is the best right back in the world. Sure. Put simply, I think he is the best right back in the world. 
And this season may not reflect that fantastically, but we have to remember Liverpool didn't have any centre-halves. They were playing, what, Nat Phillips and Fabinho at one point. So Mm. he had to shoulder that load. And arguably, I'd say, if you watch the turnaround of Liverpool, Trent has shouldered a lot of that load. Also being involved in the attacking play, and I think wing-backs who can get forward and create are massively important when it comes to this kind of thing. But realistically, if we accepted that Trent was the England right-back... I mean, name me another world-class right-back that you can think of that's going to be in this tournament. With the exception I've, of Cancelo well, and Pavard, I can't think of any. <clears throat> I I'd argue Carl, I think Carl mm. Walker is world-class, and I think Carl Walker is a better right-back right now than Trent mm. Alexander-Arnold, to be honest. Purely because of his defensive capabilities, his recovery speed. I'm looking at Stones and Maguire. They're not particularly fast. Like Trent Alexander's not particularly fast. And I, I've said it time and time again, pace is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And when you've got Mbappe running down it, I don't want to see Mbappe versus Trent. Truth be told, I just don't think he's quick enough or good enough defensively to, to be able to cope with you know the truly world class players like that. Yeah, he's, I, I get he's that. Won the, he's won a Champions League though. He had to cope with all sorts of world class players doing it's that. True, I just think like, I get that, but it's when you I, I just Messi think in that tournament, the, the impact of just having Van Dijk there. I think Van Dijk is such an exceptional defender. And you see it before where one defender transforms an entire back line. Mm. Um, we're seeing it less so with uh, Man City this, this season, but the reason why we're holding Stones in such a high regard um, and Cancelo definitely, their, their ascension in recent memory, you could argue has mm. been because of Ruben Diaz being in there and just there being one good defender, like how defenders rely on a goalkeeper, there being one central defender where they're like, okay, this guy is the guy. We can rely on him mm. and we can all just, you know, depend on him basically. Um, but yeah, I don't... So you're starting Trent then, right there. Yeah, unequivocally, especially against Croatia. If it's a game like the Czech Republic, I was trying to remember that third team in our group because we've got Scotland, that one's going to be a gritty game. The Czech Republic, I'm willing to take a bit more of a, a risk, so to speak. But I think if you have arguably the best right back in the game, you play arguably the best right back in the game. Simple as. Okay. I think he's got the defensive cover. Uh, with the rest of the back line, provided they are all sort of up to scratch, which Maguire is another one. I'll come on to the centre-halves. Mm. Um, so Maguire is a shoe-in for mm. my team. I am concerned about who to pair him with. Okay. Um, Considering Croatia can be quite sort of tricky, good with the ball, good at creating things like that. The only thing I had in my head is that we can't risk John Pebbles. Really? John Stones on a good day is fantastic, but I think a large part of what John Stones is doing is playing for City. They mm. are the best yeah. team in the Premier League. And if mm. you have all of those players around them in a well-drilled pep system, John Stones will... Well, it'll look like a boulder rather than a pebble. But mm. on a bad yeah. day for England, you cannot afford John Stones not to turn up against Modric and Rakitic. No. So I did think about trying to play a bit off-handed with Walker as a centre-half, but I don't, again, want to roll the dice too much. The name I've ended up on is Tyrone Mings. Oh. Interesting. No. <laughs> so I figure Harry Maguire needs to be able to give a command to someone and they do it. And they need to be playing physical. They need to be getting in players' heads. They need to be bodying them. And frankly, that is what Tyrone Mings does. Well, the last you know, time I watched Mings, um, I forget who they were playing, but the centre forward was giving him some trouble. And he places an absolutely perfect tackle and just bodies him out of the game. Hmm. And that kind of physicality, I think, is what's going to do as well against Croatia. Hmm. I just think 
while while Stones, as we know, blows hot and cold. Yeah. Um, I think he's in really good form at the moment, whatever the reasons mm. are. And he was going into 2018, and I thought he was brilliant. That's mm. what Thought he was brilliant. And then with Tyrone Mings, just watching that goal that Greenwood scored against Aston Villa uh, a couple of weeks back, where all he has to do is like spin him. It was a great turn, but Tyrone Mings ends up absolutely nowhere near the ball. And this is a guy who's so much smaller than Mings. Mm. And what it looks like he does is body him. He doesn't, it's just intelligent movement. And I think Tyrone Mings isn't that intelligent a centre half at all. I actually think, mm, yeah. I don't think he's the best English Villa centre half. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I think the thing is with centre backs, I don't know. I think you've always got to have a, a techie one, like a recovery mm. one, and you've got to have a beat. And I'm, you know, this is very like uh, an unscientific way of approaching it, but you've got to have like a beast. Harry Maguire, who's just big, gets in the way, does everything you want mm. the defender to do. And then accompanying him, you have like a technical player who can play a little bit, could have been a midfielder in his early earlier days, but has chosen mm. to be a centre-back. And I just think Mings and Maguire, I just think Mings is the worst version of Maguire, to be honest. Um, I think yeah. they end up doing the same thing. Yeah, I can kind of see that putting Mings with Maguire is kind of like putting two sides of the same coin more than anything. Mm. If you put two big bodies in there, all you need is someone to do something amazing like Greenwood did in that goal that you mm. mentioned. Um, if In my head, Maguire is leading that defence. So he's yeah. playing more of the technical one. He's the one mm -hmm. who's calling the shots, who's guiding that line. Probably not yeah. with the actual armband itself, but... Mm -mm. I think mainly I want to see Mings go through Rakitic and just completely remove his head from the game. <laughs> That's really what I want to see. I want to see a West Midlands centre-half absolutely body of Barca or is Rakitic still at Barca, if not former Severe. Barca? Player. He's at Sevilla yeah. now, yeah. I like, yeah. To be honest, I like that idea. I like where you're coming from. And I think if it, if you are, if we did this series halfway through the season, mm. no one would contest that. I just think it's because he's had such a poor end of the season. I think Mings has been helped by having a very strong right-back. That right back. Okay. I yeah. knew and you were going to shoehorn this guy into this episode. <laughs> of course I was. Of course I was. If Matty, if you're listening, <laughs> from on behalf of Nottingham, we love you. But um, I, I think Mings is as good as the players around him more than anything else. Um, yeah. If he's got that cover around, he can do brilliantly. If he is lacking in that cover, he will not. But he's not the focus of my defensive line. The focus of my defensive line is Trent. It is Maguire. And to come on to the left back, it is Luke Shaw. Okay. The right answer. Good. The only correct the choice. Right that's yeah. that's to be fair. When I listen to people's teams, that's all I'm trying to listen out for. Hamza, yeah. if you're listening, that 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 was a shot directly at you. <laughs> um, There's more of those coming. Don't worry. Um, yeah, Luke Shaw is one of the best left backs in the world. I, I wouldn't die on that hill as much as I die on Trent being the best left back in the world. I think there are some other fantastic left backs that are out there, but I am taking Shaw over Chilwell. Hands down. Mm. Sure. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. And to be honest, no discussion really. I think like George just has had the best season. Is just yeah. really of all these players here, bar Harry Maguire and like Kane, maybe those three, in my opinion, are nailed on starting mm -hmm. basically every mm. game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's that's that is it. I'm not gonna hear anything. You know, if you come on this show and you try and argue that Ben Shield well, you know, Hamza's lucky, Hamza's part of it, okay. If he wasn't if he was mm. a guest. The episode's never get, it's not seen the light of day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm he's glad lucky. I can stay on for the remainder of the episode. <laughs> okay, what formation are you playing, by the way? So I'm playing 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder. Mm -hmm. The Classic. wingers a little more inside to try and tighten things up a little bit. I don't want to leave them on isolation. 
Um, so the holding midfielder, I'll come on to this a little later. I'm worried that the holding midfielder with Henderson quite injured, and I'm not sure if he'll be ready for the tournament or not. That is the position I'm second most concerned about behind that pairing of the center half. Yeah. Um, I'm going Declan Rice because he is the safest pair of hands available. I mm-hmm. will swear unequivocally at my television if we are putting Calvin Phillips on to deal with Modric and Rakitic. I, I, I will I'll give up. Scream. I will apply for European <laughs> citizenship. I don't mind which country. <laughs> I, I refuse. Uh, and it's, it's not just a Nottingham Forest not liking Leeds thing. We have our differences, such as life. Calvin Phillips is not an England quality player. At I'm all? happy to caveat that with yet. I'm happy to caveat that with yet. If he does brilliantly before Qatar, then I'll see him in 2022. Yeah. But he's not ready. I agree. The thing is, I don't know, it's such a shame because like I like Leeds. I like Leeds these days. They're a nice team to mm. watch. And he is one of their best players. And mm. uh, we need someone in that position. And every single if you, you haven't done the eye test, every single bit of information, I'm sure would point to be like, well, yeah, he starts. But then you watch him and you're like, oh, this guy isn't very good. This guy's bad. He can't yeah. do anything. And so, you know, I, is he on the plane? I don't think he's on the plane personally. I think there's better, me, there's better players. I, I don't I don't take him. No, I, d- oh, I, I don't think I do him. actually. I think I do. If I take him, he's one of those three spots that's because we now have 26, we can bring some additional mm. cover. It's a, mm. ah, it'd be nice to have him on the plane. We might as well bring him along just in case we've picked up an injury. We're playing the Czech Republic and we've got a bench, whoever we'd be playing. Exactly. Like instead of Rice. Especially because let's, let's say, fingers crossed, we win those first two mm. games. So it's a classic thing. Rotate for the third game. Give people the run yeah. out. Who's your run out DM if you don't take Calvin? We don't have any others. The only thing I would say is you run out Bellingham as a defensive midfielder, and I think I just, I just don't think you don't play a defensive midfielder in that game. I think you just yeah. you switch, you just rearrange it so you can fit in your Bellinghams and this and that. And the thing, the the the, the tragedy of it all is like Phillips. I think is going. He, I think he almost certainly is going. Mm. Um, I don't think he's playing. The only real scenario in which I can envisage him playing, but I'd be like, okay, fine, is if we're winning, we want a Seattle game, we take him off, we take off, say, like a Grealish and we put him in. Fine. Mm. Fine. If he's starting against Croatia, I'm Southgate out. I don't even care if we win. I'm out. Get out. You don't care if we win. <laughs> <laughs> we can win the whole thing, but that, that decision there would, would have cost him my support. So in the two midfield spots, um at the back, I want to make sure that we have that defensive cover. And I think Trent can do that. Maguire is, of course, in the squad. Declan Rice is more of a holding midfielder, is in the squad. Going forward, I want to go a bit mad with it. I want to be pure creativity. I want to have as much available as we can. And I don't want anyone to be encumbered by previous tournaments or previous history. So my two midfielders are Bellingham and Foden. Now, I'm playing Foden through the middle to draw a very weak comparison Foden is to Fernandez what Bellingham is to Pogba in this situation okay okay I, I want Pogba effectively playing as that link I want him to start all of the movements I want mm. Foden I almost said Fernandez again unfortunately he's uh, not available for the plane I want no. Foden to be essentially free to create whatever he wants I know there are arguments that Foden can play on the wings I think Foden is essentially a footballing unicorn. We could play him as a false nine. We could arguably play him in that Sterling role that we did against Kane or with Kane in 2018. We can play him on central midfield. We can play him anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Foden is starting every single game unless we are guaranteed to go through and it's the Czech Republic. And I guess, I don't know, we 
I guess we play Mason Mount. You know, who's mm-hmm. you know, Mason Mount's good. I I take Foden over Mount every single day of the week. It's funny your your midfield is exactly the midfield I picked, but I I played Mount in that in mm. that position that you put Foden in. Mm. I think for me, even if Foden's playing centrally, he's not a he's not he's not central midfielder for me. He mm, no. he, he, he he might be a number ten. He's not. He, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in the midfield three. But I understand mm. that you, you want you want the the um, the shackles off. Yeah, total that's, football, that's which so I like. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if we if we come back to Foden in a minute, because there is a bit of a sort of okay. interchange that can happen here. But Bellingham, in exactly the same vein, I want him playing nearly every single game. I want him integral to the squad because I see. I know there is a tendency with young English players mm. that they can just turn out to be awful. Just we, We've seen enough Scott Sinclairs to know that this is a real potential thing that can happen. But mm. Bellingham is just unabashed potential. Uh, Isn't he? Yeah. Oh. The recent qualifiers that we had, uh, I, think, I think it was the Poland game in which we started Bellingham. Mm. And he was dominating the entire game. It was all he's Bellingham. It, yeah. He, yeah. So he should have scored. Yeah, I remember that game. Like he should, he had like a number of great opportunities that he made himself. Um, yeah, I think the only barrier that anyone could reasonably say with Bellingham is his age, of mm. which I don't think that even inhibits him because you've seen him play in the Champions League quarterfinals and or yeah quarterfinals, and he was amazing, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, it's what people have always said about Bellingham. Um, <clears throat> not just that he's better than his age, but his game is more mature than his age. At 16 at Birmingham, he was like running championship mm. games. Not not just that he was playing well, but like everything was coming through him all the time. And at Dortmund, it it almost does. At mm. Dortmund, that's yeah. a, that's a top that's a top side. Uh, yeah, I think to not play Bellingham would be a mistake. I think I do I do think it would be a mistake, especially mm. given the competition he has. Which I don't think is that great. Yeah, my only concern, and I, I'm loving this midfield. To be fair, this midfield is very similar, similar vibes to what um, to what we were thinking. It's just I just think Foden's more of a winger. I think he is so he's one of the quickest players in our whole roster, and I'd rather deploy a Mount. I yeah, Mount would be my choice to be fair in that position. Secondly, a Grealish in that sort of ten position if, if, we, if we're tying them down to strict positions which I don't think we will um, I think he's better coming off the right because uh, he's left footed right who's left footed Foden yeah yeah Foden, yeah yeah. he's a left footer yeah. yeah well I mean but either way he has to start right does yeah I mean to bring in the left winger to this so with Rice as the holding midfielder Bellingham as one of the central midfielders my left winger was going to be Grealish because I think he is the most underrated player we have available in terms of how he is perceived compared to how he actually is. So whether you play Foden out on the left and Grealish is the 10 or Grealish out on the left as Foden and Foden as the 10, I couldn't really care. So long mm-hmm. as both of them are in those attacking roles and pushing forward, I think it offers something a bit different in that we're not, trotting out you know sterling and as much as i love marcus rashford we play him a lot so i think teams would be expecting to see sterling and rashford um you're not you know playing 
negative Southgate football, which is what I'm very worried about of seeing that fantastic combination Terrified. of Calvin Phillips and Eric Dyer. Oh, oh. Uh, total <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my genuine concern is that we rely entirely on Mount and play two holding midfielders of Eric Dyer oh, and uh, that's definitely going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a little worried about that. But in in terms of Grealish and Foden, regardless of which position they play, I think they are arguably two of our best options available at this tournament, right. primarily because I mentioned Villa earlier struggling because of losing some of their defensive skill that was a little tongue-in-cheek but Villa have also struggled because Grealish has been out simple mm. as it's mm. it's comparable to Bellingham with Dortmund Villa run through Grealish and do not work without Grealish so I think he's absolutely fantastic he creates a ridiculous amount of chances he's got a ridiculous amount of dribbling ability in him I absolutely love it so far. I just mm. think it's just, just source on absolute tap yeah but my one issue is the only thing that can hold Greenish back from a starting put, uh, place for me, not for Gareth, because he weirdly doesn't like him. Well, that's Eric Dyer again. Is, is fitness. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's just been so long since since Greenish has played a full game of football. <laughs> um, and we get, we're getting close now. It's less than a month now. Yeah. Mm. He's back. I, th- I was reading just before we did this recording um, that he's back up to fitness. So he's available to play in match squads. So hopefully with that little bit of Premier League football remaining and then subsequently being able to go into training, Mm. he should be back. I'm much less worried about Grealish than I am someone like Henderson who would be in my squad if I believed he would be able to be. Yeah, fair. It is one game though that he's got left and uh, it's against a big side. I I forget who it is. Chelsea? Or Liverpool, it's against the big side. Villa, Villa's final game, I'm sure of it. Um, so if look, if he balls out, then great, great. Yeah. Let's go, let's go. Well, he's playing today, actually, guys. I'm just checking. Sorry, he's starting today against Spurs, and we're losing. Hmm. So fair enough. Has he scored? He's not scored or assisted. I'm sure he's running the game. Who so, are you putting at right wing? So right wing, I am going Sterling. Um, oh. No, and him, <laughs> hear me out on this. Hear me out. Uh, I, know I hate him. I, I put him in my team, but previous I hate episodes him. there has been a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there's been a lot of Raheem hate in sort of previous discussions around this, and honestly, I think he is far better than people give him credit for. And actually, in the context of the squad I'm putting out. Mm. He's more of an experienced head. He's someone that we know can mm. create summit magic. So arguably is being a bit underappreciated. I think he gets messed around a lot by pep rotation. When you're in a squad domestically that's got people like Mares, Foden, Gabriel Jesus, other Torres. quality players as I've gone and forgotten the Manchester City squad. Yeah. There's just that many of them. You're going to get rotated around a lot. You're going to get underappreciated when you're constantly under the spotlight to achieve when it's your moment. But mm. Sterling is fantastic. He has pace. That's the name of the game, as you say. Mm. His dribbling, if we ignore the running style, is fantastic. And yeah, I, I, I just strongly, strongly rate him as a player. And I think we, certainly in my team, I've got a tendency to remove all the previous tournament experience. So we need someone who has actually been in you know these positions before and that's okay. the game. Um with Sterling, look, I don't I don't think he's a bad player at all. In fact, I think I think he's a great player. It was only two years ago that I said he was the third best player in the world behind mm. only the big two. 
because he was just like, absolutely rubbing things. Um, and it was for this tournament, like the qualifiers for this tournament, him and Kane were on absolute madness. I remember Sterling just running basically every game hmm. uh, in the qualifiers. I just think you do have to go on form a little bit. While, hmm. while if we were going on class, walks in, strolls in, yeah. right? But it, I just... I just worry that he's going to be a bit where and miss a few golden chances. I don't want to be. I don't want to be sat there watching my screen thinking Rashford, Grealish, Foden, Sancho, Greenwood all tuck that chance away. Sterling misses mm. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I do get what you mean. Um, Sancho for me, I think he had a very popular year. I don't think he's the starting England right winger yet. I just think sure. the the one thing I have with Sterling in for England is he, unlike I think basically everyone, no everyone in this squad, he has had three huge international tournaments to perform at. I'm talking mm. World Cup 2014, Euros 2016. Wait, 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 wait World Cup 2014, mm-hmm. Euros 2016, World Cup 2018, and every single one he didn't play well. Um, most notable like Euro 2016, he was awful. Sorry, wasn't he like 18 in 2014? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I can write, I can write that World Cup off entirely because you know everyone yeah. was bad. Um, yeah. I'm t- Euros specifically. I thought he was really poor. I think with the World Cup, when we actually did quite well, I, I definitely was not because of him. Mm. Um, I just think he's had his chances, and there's players that are competing for that spot which I think are just deserve that chance over him right now hmm. but bear in mind he's playing in a team like Manchester City which is the best probably the best team in the world right now I'd say and hmm. he's not playing amazing he's not getting loads of goals or anything and he's got you know the most creative players in the world uh, behind him and around him and he's still not doing it I just hmm. uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know and he was in my team as well I don't know why I'm saying like this he was in my team but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd pick him to be honest. If I had to pick again, fair enough. Well, I, I'm picking him for an experienced hand, and in exactly the same vein, this doesn't need any debate. Plain and simple, Harry Kane through the mm. middle. Mm. Simple as. Kane got to happen. Oh, <laughs> Kane and simple. Yeah, I mean the thing is with Harry Kane, like we haven't really. Well, we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's episode or today's episode when it drops. Mm. Um about him being one of the best, probably the best, I'd argue the best England striker in our lifetime so far. Only, the only player really in contention with him is Shearer, I'd say. Owen, I don't want to hear about Owen. I really don't want to hear about Owen. Um, I don't want to hear about Rooney in the same fashion, to be honest. I just don't think Rooney, like Rooney was was a fantastic player and I don't mm. think Kane has reached the club levels that Rooney has reached uh, in his mm. career. Um, I just think the comparison is, is simply that they play different positions. They're very different players. Mm. And you can't compare them in terms of their England or club legacy yet. Yeah. But that is your 11. I'm liking it. It's very balanced. It's one of the more balanced teams I've actually seen so far. Mm. A little bit worried about the defence, not going to lie. Mings and Trent. Would you be playing Trent? Would, would Maguire be the right-sided centre-back or the left-sided? Yeah. Trent is a wing-back who needs cover. Uh, uh, Maguire, for me, provides that cover. There was a moment when I was sort of scoping this team out that I thought, why not roll the dice and listen to all of the pundits who have said, I think Trent should be a central defence midfielder. 
and play him where I was going to play Rice with Wan-Bissaka on the right-hand side. So mm-hmm. he's covering there. And as I mentioned, I just have this feeling that we're going to watch a John Pebbles a header into his own net from a corner. So I, yeah. I can't. I that I to me was a risky I team. Don't I don't disagree. take that risk. <laughs> I don't disagree. I will say, going back to what you said just now, like I actually am starting to hate those takes about we should just play Trent in centre midfield. Like Football no. just doesn't work like that. He's been training to be a right back his whole fucking career. Why yeah. would you change that for an international tournament? Like he's perfectly good yeah, at right you, back. If you're, if you're going to change it, you don't change it now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't change okay. it for the big game. Mm-mm. But I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. So obviously that brings us on to the third question. And being a Nottingham Forest fan, the first fan of a championship club, this should make for quite interesting listening. Who is the player that you'd bring into the roster if you had to choose one championship player? It's James Garner, every single day. Now I'm going to do a couple of honourable mentions. I just want to bring some attention to the championship. We're a vastly underappreciated league. Uh, Ivan Tony, I know he's been mentioned before. How anybody gets that many goals is insane. Absolutely insane. It's a ludicrous. I think it's something like 43 goals he was involved in in total in 46 games. Jesus. That's an ungodly stat line. Ivan Tony is the kind of player who next season will be in either a Palace shirt, a Newcastle shirt, or an Arsenal shirt. Mm. Any Arsenal It's funny because Arsenal are, are in that little pool of clubs. I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I don't mind at all. I think Arsenal need to rebuild a bit of an identity. They need to stop trying to buy big players from Spain or Italy who just won't mesh with the team. And they need to, you know, bring in a proven goal scorer. That's Tony. The other okay. honourable mention is Adam Armstrong, who is the forward for Blackburn. In exactly the same fashion, he bagged 28 goals, got five assists. Blackburn were like the highest scoring league team in the league. He's 24. Um, he's someone with a lot of potential. I use the same criteria. Mm. Palace, Newcastle, Arsenal. Wasn't he mm. on loan from Newcastle? And initially, initially he was. Um, he he was a Newcastle youngster. Um, and then he went on loan to Blackburn. And then they signed him on a permanent uh, about oh, two really? seasons ago. Mm. Fair enough. But you're going with James Garner. If I'm Unequivocally. So... <sighs> The reason I'm going with Garner is very simple. Um, there was a comment that was made in one of your previous episodes um, that James Garner was fantastic in the first team. James Garner was the first team. That's it. He was Forrest for the entire time that he was here. For a bit of context, we were doing brilliantly the season before. The season got interrupted in March um, and we were on the cusp of promotion. We collapsed. We lost on the final day. That was the most painful moment of my footballing life. Um, the winter period at the start of the next season, we lost our first six games without scoring a goal. We sacked our manager. We'd sold some of our key players. Some of our other key players um, were just suffering badly from injuries. Joe Lolly is integral to our team. He was gone. He was just injured. He's not been the same since. So we needed something. And James Garner comes in on loan and becomes everything. So we play him as that central defensive midfielder. And in kind of the same fashion as what I was saying about Bellingham in that international against Poland, every game, you're only watching Garner. 
They are coming right. on the counter-attack. All of a sudden, a red shirt, Gary Bowley red, slides in and gets the ball away. It's James Garner. You manage to get the ball back somehow. A player turns, faces, pings a ridiculous pass 40 yards. Oh, it's James Garner again. He was the engine of our entire team. 20 years old, we were considering giving him the armband. It was utterly Jesus. ludicrous. And as I mentioned before, CDM is something where we're kind of struggling, I think, for England. Garner is arguably the future CDM of England. Maybe not for Qatar, but wherever FIFA award the tournament afterwards for the World Cup or wherever the Euros are, he will be our CDM. Wow. Okay. Do you think he could do a job right now? Do you think if they brought him now, he would be up there? Maybe. I suppose, I suppose it depends. Would I play James Garner over Calvin Phillips? Yes. Would I play James Garner over Eric Dyer any day of the week? Um, I think he could do a decent job against the Czech Republic. I think he's not ready for a gritty game like Scotland. We, we're going to beat Scotland, but it's going to be gritty. Uh, yeah. Certainly not ready for mm, Croatia. Mm. So I think he mm. could come in and do a little bit of you know, surprising. Mm. I don't think he's there yet. Give him another season. Give him another season at Forest to play 46 games with, you know, potentially the captain's armband and then look to bring him in. Because I think for United, domestically, he's in competition with McSauce. Oh, well, it wouldn't wouldn't be McSauce. It would would have to be Fred. Um, (laughs) Oh, he beats Fred. He beats Fred. Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. And this is what I've been saying recently because we're crying out for a DM. We have a top one on loan. Yeah. Um, So I think I think we can just sort of like ease him into our side and if he hmm. starts playing for United then I mean obviously it just makes him a much more high profile player suddenly hmm. doesn't really have a ceiling after that hmm. uh, now I chose Ivan Tony as my player hmm. but there was another name that was flying around was uh, Oliver Skip <clears throat> on loan from, um, Skip. from my team for my team Tottenham who you know well he started he played basically every game and Norwich hmm. won the the championship and he was widely regarded to be a big, big part of that team. So, Mm. you know, he has to be in the conversation, right? And I'm sure you've watched him more than I have personally. Mm. So in terms of which young English championship player or just English championship player. Out of those two, because they play a similar position, right? They're both deep midfielders. I'm not sure how deep Garner is, but I know Skip is like, Skip plays essentially that sort of, uh, what would what you know what Fred does? I don't know there's, mm. there's jokes flying around, but like that <laughs> role essentially, yeah, a defensive sort of Kante. Kante sort of you know Kante would be the the apex of that position, so to speak. Mm. I think he could be in the conversation, but he wasn't on my list for exactly the same reason that someone like Cantwell wasn't. Because right. I think when you talk about Norwich, um, yes, they won the league won it quite comfortably but they are kind of caught in that championship premiership trap that sort mm-hmm. of revolving door where they will go mm. up and then they will finish 19th and then they will come second and then they will finish bottom and then they'll come first so mm. for him to get into that conversation for me he needs to do exactly what he's done for Norwich but for a Premier League squad Mm. Garner was okay. different. He did everything. I think is where I'm going with this. Okay, you're arguing that because uh, you agree that Forest are just simply on don't have as good a squad as Norwich. Uh, that's why Garner stood out so much. Whereas with Skip, mm. like they just do have a very good side, a side that probably could compete in the Premier League and will be competing in the Premier League. Mm. And you wouldn't say that? Would you honestly say the same about Forest? Probably not, right? Right now, I think if Skip was at Forest, that that for me is the big test. If Garner was at Norwich. 
he'd be being talked about even more than he is. If Skip was at Forest, I don't think he'd have done as well. Mm. And that's not to say that he won't develop. I think he's a great young player. But for the purposes of this, and because of the caveat, we have so many strikers, so I'm not ready to put Tony in there yet, when we still have Ings and Bamford in the conversation behind Kane and DCL, that is why Garner is in there. It's our arguably biggest point of need, and he's arguably got the most potential. Fair enough. Okay. Lovely stuff. Number four, somewhat linked to that, to the topic we're just talking about. Who do you think is going to be your breakout star of the tournament? So we've basically said who, what player for any country, any team, do you think is going to be a breakout star? This will be the tournament where they raise their profile a la James Rodriguez Mm -hmm. um, in 2014 or Mbappe in 2018, just for example. Um. So I'm going to do a brief honourable mention again to the entire England squad. Uh, I'm trying not to mention an England player in my answer to this, because where would you start? There are far too many options in the England squad. So with the England squad, you can see where our identity is and where it's going. I suppose my question that leads to my answer is, can you say the same about Spain? I could not really name you a Spain starting lineup. And for that reason, I'm saying it's Ansu Fati. Okay. I I think that's a good choice, but I think there's very serious doubts as to whether he will even appear because he's had like mm. the most yeah, disgusting run of injuries, right? I don't think he would. Mm. Let me check, actually. Let me check. Because mm. I think yeah. no I injuries, mean, I agree oh, with you just, entirely. He's, ju- he's just had surgery Has again. Just had surgery again. Right. That's a problem. Um, it's like second or third surgery, bless him. Yeah. Ugh. So. My argument essentially would have been that Ansu Fati's at the tipping point of either being amazing or just being fine. Mm. I I jokingly would refer to it as kind of the Norwegian tipping point because either he's going to turn into Haaland or he's going to turn into Odegaard. Sure. Like this is is it. This is crunch time. The next 12 months are (laughs) crucial for the boy. But yeah, if he's injured, I mean, he's not going to be the breakout star of the tournament. So I... I guess I'm promoting my honourable mention of the England squad up there. If I had to pick one of them, um, it's it's probably Greenwood, to be honest. I think we've talked a lot about um, Foden being integral to the team, which I fully stand by. That's a hill I will always die on. Um, we've talked a lot about players like Mount, about players like Grealish raising themselves onto a European profile. But honestly, with the form that Greenwood's been in, and the opportunities for him to really come in and have an impact. And considering Ansu Fati is in surgery, and yeah. then mm-hmm. I would I would go with Greenwood. Mm. Okay. I think that's what you said as well, Timmy, wasn't it? It was it was one of my picks, but I had to wipe it out because I had already said Luke Shaw. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, it was just it was just too much bias. But mm. look, with with Mason, I think fuck, I keep first naming Man United players. With Greenwood, <laughs> yeah. he's like he is so good. His talents are really undeniable. I think, I think his talents really suit tournament football mm. as well, because what the world world will see is what he does best. Go, on. yeah, right. Unfortunately, I just don't think he. I don't think he'll get enough playing time. If he did, mm. I think he would break out from this tournament. I think it would sort of triple his value, but I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll play enough. Mm. No, I hope he does. To be fair, because I think, I I think. Listening back on the episodes we've done so far, I actually think he's the second best striker we have. No joke. I think he's better than DCL. I think he's a lot better than DCL. And I think he 
him and Ings, I think I'd have to think about that a bit more. I mm. would slightly age, maybe Ings, maybe Ings by a, a hair. But I think Greenwood at, at this time already is showing just how good he is. And he's what? How much younger than DCL is he? Like six years, Three, seven years? No, really? no, wait, how old is DCL? I thought DCL was about 24. 24. Greenwood's 19. Mm, so yeah. five, five so, years, that's that's ages. And when yeah. you're talking striking development, yeah. and, that is forever. And the thing is, his set of skills, the thing I like about Greenwood so much, his set of skills are the, are the kind of things that most good strikers will develop and they don't get given. It, it's like, I've always said he's a bit like Van Persie. Mm. Mm. Uh, but he's already starting off at the top level. He's not starting off at Arsenal, you know, down mm. there. He's already at Man United. Down, down he, there. Yeah, you know, right in, in the pits. And he he's looking, you know, the way Man United are gearing him up to be a starter in their team. They're not trying to loan him out or anything like that. His future is mm. Man United striker, which is great for him and for England. I just think he's got everything. I think he's got literally everything. And mm. Ings, I love Ings, but... I don't, is he as deadly as Greenwood? Is he as fast as Greenwood? Hmm. Um, no, to he's be definitely clear, not Chris, fast. Because mm-hmm. we're recording this before that episode comes out, but by the time this one comes out, that one will be out. Yeah. Um, Sam Dowling, Ed's brother, started Danny Ings. Started Danny Ings. <laughs> Did start Danny Ings. Wow, I'm a much more conservative guest on the podcast here, aren't um, I? And I'm I'm glad you are because I thought yeah. that was the most reckless shout I've ever That's heard. It's ludicrous. So he started Ings over Kane. No, in the front two. In the uh, front two of Kane and Ings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a midfield pairing of Ward Prowse and Rice, I think. <laughs> and, and he's not, and he's not a Southampton fan. <laughs> no, big wow. big Spurs fan. <laughs> I mean, Ward Prowse, I could kind of understand. Ward Prowse was a sort of thought around my team. That could have worked. I think he's a bit, not serially underrated, but just underrated. Mm-hmm. Why are you starting the fourth best England striker it against Croatia? Sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like, no. DTL is he's... basically Miroslav closer to me. He's just going to head it in the goal. That's all you need. <laughs> sure. Kane is Kane. Greenwood is unabashed potential. Danny Ings, you know. I mean, he's a great striker. What? Yeah, but, but he's not going to win you the Euros, is he? No, he's not. He's I think the striker debate is somewhat ruined or, or skewed almost by the fact that Kane is so well-rounded as a player. He just does hmm. literally everything. Like He can head the ball. He can His movement's fantastic. He can finish him outside the box. Um, the, all three of those things are like individual attributes that you described to, you know, Calvert-Lewin. He's good at heading, hmm. for example. Ings has got great movement as does Greenwood, and Greenwood's a very deadly finisher as well. But Kane is all of those things. Yeah. yeah. What, what, the one thing Kane doesn't have is off the mark, going behind that, no. that searing pace. But he's actually way quicker than people give him credit for as well. Um, no, yeah. He's yeah. got good, like, five-yard pace, if you know what I mean? Like, good uh, acceleration from his starting, you know, from his starting position, wherever that is, to, to mm. the ball. So he's very good over mm. that. He's not, he, obviously, he's not a sprinter. He's definitely not, like, fast. Mm. Um but he's very, he can be, he's more agile than people think, definitely. Yeah. But your breakout star is going to be Mason Greenwood. And I like that. Yeah. Okay. Purely I'm because not. I did not realize the medical history of my first choice. It is Mason Greenwood. <laughs> oh, no, it's horrible. Uh, absolutely fancy. Yeah. It's like the, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the meniscus something, something or other of his ankle. Ooh. Like the one that you just, you don't want that. And you it's don't always it. recurring. And it, it's potential like career either ender or like. Remember that. Worse yeah. than that, yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, well, there's, um, 
was his name, Eberich Eze, who would have been a championship player shout had he not transferred across to Crystal Palace. He's just picked up a big injury mm. as well. I think it's his yeah. ACL. Don't so he's, yeah. Yeah, he's out for a year. Yeah, it's such a shame. Isn't it? as well. He's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. I will say, I mean, you know, Eze, I think now is really one of the better times to do your ACL than any other time because he could have mm. done it in September. Um, but it's still such a shame for him, isn't it? Really, and he's, yeah. he's on the cusp of being considered like if, say, he's strung. I know this is nothing to do with what we're talking about, but the, the <laughs> podcast often goes like this: if he's strung, maybe like four, five, six, seven games together where he's performing to the level we know he can, he would be in with a shout for England. I think, 100%. oh, yeah, it's the reason I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say so. Not this time round. But what he's unfortunately with a one year turnaround for a tournament where it's normally two, this ACL injury will take him out of contention for the next one. Mm. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Okay, number five, who controversially, because it has to be controversial, are you <laughs> leaving out? And I think as a disclaimer for the future and this episode as well, I'm ruling off some names immediately that do not count, and that will be um, Calvin Phillips, not controversial. Uh, Bukayo Saka, I don't think that's controversial. Um, Patrick Bamford, I heard someone say, if it was Pet, no. Mm. And who else? Who else should I rule out entirely from this discussion? With the with the right back debate, sort of any of those fringe right backs, because because it's quite clear, like like that they're all really good. Yeah, one Saka, mm. I think we can rule him out as well. Yeah, but I think he's, he's not even controversial. So I can't say Bamford, Saka, Wan-Bissaka, or Calvin Phillips. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then obviously that's fine. That's yeah. absolutely fine. Reese James straight away. James. Okay. Ooh, okay. Unequivocally. So I was thinking about putting Sancho there because I've been not unimpressed by Sancho. I think that he's overrated in mm-hmm. a similar fashion to how Grealish is underrated. Working with good players like Ollie Watkins, uh, he's underrated. I think Sancho is overrated considering the quality of players he's playing with in Dortmund and the quality of the league he's playing in as well. Whenever I've watched him for England, I've not been that impressed. But no, then you remember he's amazing. Sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's Reese James for me, unequivocally. And I do not buy any of the hype about Reese James. I think he's having a fantastic season. I'm proud for him i'm glad he's having fun but i believe he is the sixth best right back england have available oh and i no. would not be taking six <laughs> right backs to the tournament um sorry have you placed matty cash ahead of him here you in have, a close in a close run okay he is the fifth best right back trippy is better than him really yes yes i is. understand taking trippy to a tournament ahead of him yep and this mm. is why right backs are so for us it's 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 one and one out, really, but I understand taking Trippier to a tournament ahead of him. I have previously on this podcast made it seem as though I don't rate Reese James because of some of the competition he's come up against with these discussions. Mm. I really, really do rate Reese James. I no, think he's, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's off. I think he's our fourth best right back. So, okay, so let's let's rule Maddie Cash out for the moment. I think he's good. I think he'd be in the conversation. If he played for Arsenal, he's strong defensively. He's more creative than he lets on, but he's not better than Reese James. I'll happily admit that and also admit that I was trying to wind Temi up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Trent is the best right back England have available. Hands down. No question. Moving on. Okay. Wan-Bissaka is the second 
Ah, no. Kyle Walker, Wan-Bissaka, you can put second or third however you wish to. Oh, no, Both no, no, of no. them are I very totally strong, totally... very defensive. Both have a bit more pace. Well, Wan-Bissaka has more pace than I think people give him credit for. Kyle yeah. Walker has more of a cool head than the stories and the headlines about him give him credit for. Both of them are very strong right-backs. I play Trent first, but if Trent is injured or out of form, I'm not worried. Trippier is proven. I think he's got more about him attacking. I think he's proven he can do it at various different levels. Um, with Reese James, I think he's a promising young player who had a good season in a bad squad, and everyone's gone mental. Oh, so okay. I'll, I'll rephrase. Everyone's gone over the top mm-hmm. about how good he is. Mm. You can ping a ball, fantastic. You're being paid sixty thousand pounds a week. I would expect that you to. You put in a tackle. No, you you'd be Chelsea. surprised though. You'd be surprised though, Chris. You know, I've watched you know Serge Aurier, Matt Doherty all season, and they can't. They just can't do those things. Matt Doherty, <laughs> he, the, com- the comparison is very different. The comparison he can't is very do different. Anything, Matt Doherty. I don't know. Matt Doherty clacks and eh, but <laughs> he can't do anything. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I I think you. I think you have to give a bit more credit. I think this man's in the Champions League final. Um. Oh, we keep saying this. So, so is Werner. So, so is all sorts of people. That, oh, it's not no, good enough to make him. Yeah, it's it's not a good. So is Cesar Azpilicueta. I, I like you, Cesar Azpilicueta. Decent player, to be fair. But, yeah, he is, but... I think I he's had a very good one. season. I'd say, I'd say he's the third best right back in England after Trent and Walker. Um, I think Wambasaka is is a. Is very good defensively, arguably better defensively than Trent and Any, James. Mm. But Any I just of, think, no, 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 and Walker, and Walker. I don't think he's better than Walker. No, I don't know. He is. I think because defending, like tackling, is one aspect of defending as his positioning. His tackling is by far the best in maybe maybe the world. Okay, he's in the world, in excellent the world. tackler. His positioning yeah. is not excellent. You can't say his position is excellent. Just not. No, no, it's good. It's not excellent. You're absolutely right. Um, Carl Walker's positioning isn't excellent it's good but he's also electrically fast which can compensate that which you know i think carl walker is the fastest player in the squad by a calm distance to be honest this guy's ridiculous um and i think he's got a slightly better attacking output than mombasaka which Mm. he's honed in the city days definitely not in his tottenham days um and yeah, I don't like Reese James. Like to be honest, I said Reese James would be my second choice, my second backup right back to Carl Walker. I wasn't even going to take Trent, um, which is a bit ridiculous. Mm. Um, but I stand, I stand by it. To be honest, I think Reese James. You got to give him a bit more credit. I think he, I think he's like he isn't quite as good offensively as Trent, but I think he's a lot better defensively. And just having that balance is is very important to me. Yeah, and I I, I do understand that. To be honest, I. I think I've seen enough amazing, promising young England players to worry when not everything is there. So yeah. Greenwood, I think all of the signs are there. Someone like Foden, all of the signs are there. Reese James, I just don't think he's proven it yet. You can do pretty well and have a couple of nice results go your way in a Chelsea squad that's not performing fantastically. And your performance can be rated even higher because you're doing good in comparison to Timo Werner. But at the end of the day, the conversation about what right backs you're taking only becomes four instead of three because it's a 26 man squad. And my fourth is Trippier. Okay. 
Okay. I, I will say very quickly on James, I think he la- he suffers from a lack of vibes. I think he's such a, like, when you see him like in post-match uh, press conferences, whatever, like, there's such a mm. absence of anything. Like, he's such a nothing player, like, in terms of his personality. Whereas, you know, Trent isn't, Carl Walker definitely mm. isn't, even Kieran Trippier isn't, I don't think. And you mm. look at Rhys James, he's just like... You know, with Rhys James, my, my biggest issue is that I think someone said it um, a couple of episodes back. With Trent, you know what you're getting. Mm. You know why you're playing him. You know what you're playing him for. With Wambasaka, you know as well. And it's the opposite, but you know exactly what you're getting when you play him. And there's a reason you'd play him, to lock down a man. I've, I've never, like since we signed Wambasaka, Sterling, I've just, I've just not seen him in the Manchester mm. derby. I've just never seen him. As soon as he gets the ball, he's on the ground and the ball's rolling away from him after a perfectly clean tackle. You know what you're going to get. Then you've got Walker, who does both. Not as well as either of the two, but does both. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what you're getting. And experience, searing pace. You're absolutely right. Reese James, I just, I don't see anything that he could bring that, that, another right back won't bring harder. Yeah. And that's exactly it. He doesn't have the thing, mm-hmm. which I know is a really weak line of argument to be taking here. But with Trent, you're looking at unabashed creativity, Kyle Walker, pace recovery, Wambasaka, best tackler in the world. Mm. Kieran Trippier, fantastic gambling advice. But with Reese James, you don't get anything. Knock <laughs> <laughs> that one in there. I'd say it's Trippier as well, to be fair. I think this is a quite a crazy take. I think he runs Trent somewhat close in terms of his crossing ability. I think his crossing ability mm. is absolutely unbelievable. I think um, it's unbelievable, but I've never, I've, I've never seen a crosser like Trent. <laughs> so yeah, so he Trent's I, like a ten out of ten. He's like a yeah. eight point five, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah, but you're leaving out Reese James, and that is controversial. To be fair, if Hamilton was here, I'm sure he'd be, he'd be furious. He'd be furious, you know, be fuming when he hears this. He'd be very annoyed, I'm sure. <laughs> But that's life, Hammerson. It is. Hammerson, if you are listening, I apologise for nothing. (laughs) I I think Chris is bang on. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And our last question, before we wrap this up. Who who do you think your dark horse team of of the tournament is going to be? Not necessarily a team you think is going to win, but a team you think, oh, well, they actually performed way better than I expected them to. So my dark horse team is Belgium, but there is a reason behind it. It's not that I'm just not picking France, England, or Germany. Spain are completely out the running in my book. Um, The Dark Horse team being Belgium is because, like, for the quality of their players, for how well you would expect them to do for the sort of cover across the board, Belgium are not very good when it actually comes to putting the ball on the ground and delivering. And for that reason, I think Belgium are actually going to be serially underrated at this tournament. Hmm. There were some arguments about the Croatians, but the semi-final means that they can't be a dark horse. We expect them to do well now. And I do not recognise the argument that Denmark are dark horses. They are Denmark. You know Belgium got semi-final as well, right? Yeah, but Belgium are a team think... that you expect to win. Yeah, but yeah, they, I think... they came third in the tournament. Well, they played us. And we didn't put out a good squad. I will say if Belgium... Like, what I mean by the dark, I mean the dark horse term... We need specific definition of that. But it's a team where it doesn't matter what their relative quality is. You just think they will perform above what people expect of them. Um, mm. Belgium, I would say, are just about in that dark horse tier only because they've got no European heritage or they don't really have a history of doing well in Europe anyway. 
Yeah. Well, if you look at their players, if that was if that if that Belgian squad was Spanish, they would be like one of the favourites. Yeah. It's just because they're Belgian, I think. Um, you've if got it Lukaku, was German, I'd be touting them to win it. Exactly. You've got you know Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, Hazard should be in his peak, but he's not. But these first two players, crucial, crucial players, are in the absolute primes of their careers. Mm. And the perfect time for a European competition, you know. You don't they don't really have a perceptible weakness, I think, in defense, midfield, or attack. Um, I think they do have one in defense. Right. I'd argue see they've got Alderweireld, who I think is still a decent player. Not they've poor, got, obviously, but not world class. No, they've got Timothy they've got a functional defense, I think. They've got Timothy Castani, they've got Jason Denier. These are these are good players, they're not bad. Yeah, they're not great players though. Mm. No, they're not. But you look at the they're, they're quite top heavy, I think, in terms of their talent. Mm. But yeah, I could I could see him winning it though. But I, I again I would be surprised if you told me now they win the whole thing. I'd be like, oh hmm. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. World class goalkeeper, um, world class striker, world class central midfielder, some other good players, dot, like really, really top players dotted around in there. You think of Mertens. Mm. Um you think of all well, their other players have gone out of my head. Tielemans. Exactly. Like, yeah, these, got... That's another thing as well. Tielemans winner is quite a scary midfield. Yeah. Uh, that's, this, these are some great players. Do, do I think they're going to win it? Nah. Nah. I th- the thing is, though, like, you, you, if Italy won it, I think you'd be less surprised if Italy won it as opposed to Belgium. And I don't actually think there's an Italian player that would get into that Belgium seat. No, uh, it's side. credentials, though. It's, yeah, it's just her- it's heritage stuff, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but they're a good choice. I like them. Mm. I don't think Roberto Martinez. Well, I, I've never rated him as a manager. I've never rated him. Roberto Martinez is the Belgian manager. Yeah. Mm. Could I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think that's a good choice for Dark Horse. I think they mm. are the they are the Dark Horse team, and they have been for a long time. To be fair, World Cup 2018, mm. they were the Dark Horses. It's funny as well. Speaking of 2018, like Russia aren't even in this tournament, are they? Not that I am no. aware of. No. Which for me no. just goes to show that they were they were juicing during that. Oh, they were they were sourcing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, was that no stuff was way. Run. Did you see their running stats for that tournament? Yeah. It was uh, Alexander Golovin ran fifty kilometers more on average than any other player at the World Cup. And you're telling me there's no drugs there. Like, I'm sorry, like, fuck off. Fuck, I'm getting too annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> but that I think that brings everything to a nice Nice little close. Chris, how would you rate your experience on the Pace of Power podcast? Uh, nine out of ten, only because I didn't get to explain to Hammerson in person why Reese James is overrated. <laughs> um, Hammerson, if you're listening, uh, I'd love to be back on the podcast another time when Reese James drops off, and uh, we'll go from there. But no, Russia, Russia are, a lot of fun. Russia <laughs> are in the tournament, by the way. They're oh, they are? Yeah. Russia are. Ooh, yeah. okay. they're, they're I think Belgium, they'll do just as well Belgium, as Sweden. Finland and Denmark. Hmm. Okay, all right. But Chris, it's a pleasure having you on. Um, been a fan since day one, you know. If this podcast ever makes it big, you'll be there. We'll remember you. Okay. Always but yeah, until next time, Timmy in the bottom, nice to have you on again. See you later. And Chris, nice to have you on. Hopefully, we'll, we'll sort something out like this again soon. I'll be delighted. That'd be great. Lovely stuff. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to follow on Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. You know, follow our social media accounts. Why not? Share with your friends and have a great day. And we'll see you tomorrow with the next episode.